Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. <sighs> What's going on, man? Oh, no. What's wrong? I'm having a lot of problems with my ex. Yeah, and we'll we'll learn all about it's not good. Things involving exes. Yeah, it's not good. Now before we get into that though, I'm just going to knock this out of the park. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by fullscale.io. We can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And while we're at it, we'll get this at the top of the episode. Check out stackify.com. Yeah. That's Matt's other company yeah. where they can help your code. They can give you code that checks your code. Does that sound about right? That works. Yeah, sure. Um, with us today, we've got Jim West, who's the CEO and co-founder of Clara Biotech and someone that is probably going to make you have to use the Google. Um, you know, I like it when you are interactive. So go to Clara, that's C-L-A-R-A bio.tech because you're probably going to need to cross-reference some stuff today. So, Jim, first off, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, so Matt's got X issues, but yeah. I think you specialize in little, littler things known as? Exosomes. Okay. Well, is that going to help me or not? Uh, it could help you with your X problems, but probably not in the ways you think. No. <laughs> All right. So you can help my X live longer? We could. Damn it. Yeah. I don't just kidding. Is that really what you do with them though? Like, well, for, actually, all right. So for those of you listening, we're probably going to have a science quiz at the end of this. Um, and I wasn't kidding about little things that you'll need to learn, but, um, you know, I want to give a little background on, on Jim. So, and, and I'll, I'll post the, uh, PubMed research article links at the end. So everybody can do their own homework. On totally. It. I, you know, in my spare time, um, well, when we recorded a live podcast, someone asked what we do to get away from the grind. I often read biotech and medical journals. Bullshit. Said no one, but Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim, you've been someone I've, I've had a fascinating, uh, um, relationship with. You've come stop by and talk to me just yep. about stuff just cause, um, I really love what you're doing. Um, you are, in a huge field of startup stuff, but here in Kansas City, I don't know a whole lot of people that are in the biotech medical stuff. And you came by and dazzled me about what <laughs> exosomes were. So I'm going to just go ahead and give you the mic and let you talk about that. Yeah, what I you feel guys like do. it always, they talk about like, what's your elevator pitch? I'm yeah, like, well, we've it? got like an up and down and back up elevator. It's like about a, it's about a two minute pitch <laughs> because, um, when you talk about a software product, everybody already knows what software is and kind of how it operates. Nobody really gets that with Exosome. So we got to start more at the, the ground up. And then the story starts 10 years ago, which for me kind of sucks because if you're a doctor or even a researcher and you've got a background in biology and cells and the body and everything else, if you didn't have a college level biology course after 2010, you'll never have heard of an Exosome. So the whole field is 10 years old. Yeah, I've never heard of one. Have you? Nope. Yeah. So it's not until e I met this guy. Yeah. E-X-O-S-O-M-E. And an exosome, uh, they really found out about 10 years ago, are made by all cells. They're a class of what they call vesicles, which are cellular excretions. And what was really cool was uh, 
50 years ago, 40 years ago, they thought that all of these things were just waste bags being removed from cells, um, like an excretion mechanism. But what we've really found out in the last 10 years is that these exosomes are actually a communication network between cells. So it's like a FedEx package network to deliver information from different cells to other cells. By the way, that is an amazing way of like making people like me understand something. Thank you. It only took me like 13 months to figure that out. Well, Matt and I just looked at each other. We're like, whoa, we might get it. <laughs> is that is that the feeling yeah. you had? I was like, oh, that makes sense. We're shipping stuff between cells. Now, yeah. is this like overnight shipping? Is it like express ground? It's all of it. Do they have tracking numbers? Uh, they do. So we should get Ross Lindmark in here to see if we can, <laughs> if Ship can track the, the, the no? access. Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, the information inside of an exosome is fragments of cellular DNA, RNA, and proteins. Um, there's no cellular machinery. They're just uh, small packets. And they're about 50 nanometers in diameter, which is much smaller than the wavelength of visible light. So they're really small, and they're really hard to handle. But they end up doing a lot of very interesting cell functions. So when a cell makes an exosome, it applies the surface markers of the cell to the exosome. And what that means is it's basically a key. So when an exosome moves through your body, through the fluids, and it engages in another cell of the same type, it checks those protein surface markers. And if it matches, it allows it to attach and then enter the cell. So it's a... It's so a these things can move from one cell to another. They're an external communication network between cells. That's right. So weird. Yeah, how much of what he just said did you like really wrap your arms around? All like, of it. Really though? Like for real? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. So it stamps their passport. They go to the next one. If they got the stamp, they get in. That's right. What happened to the FedEx package? Well, the, it was the passport was in the FedEx package. Someone has to carry Keep it. Keep up. So I'm what? Trying, the... dude, but is that when you? Hey, you're <laughs> you're smart, so I know you'll figure it out. So what the package is, is the uh, payloads are what they call up and down regulating cell functions. So they turn on and off different genes, proteins, things like that. And so, for example, if you have a tumor, cancer cells, and they start um, taking root in your body, they will start pumping out uh, exosomes, tumor exosomes. And those exosomes actually signal the tumor to grow, and it signals local cells to shut down. So that the tumor can expand and grow, as an example. So if you remove the signal, does that help or prohibit? Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, potential research down that way. Um, but but the, but the, at the end of the day, if we were to take a blood sample, and there's about a thousand exosomes to every cell in your body, so you think about that. Wow. Um, if you could take a, a, a small blood sample, a couple milliliters, and you looked at all the exosomes in it, you would actually get basically the cellular makeup of a person. You could trace them. So how many? So we talk about blood, like by volume, how much of the blood is exosomes versus cells? Again, so for every cell in a red blood cell, there's going to be a thousand exosomes. So most of it is exosomes. Most of it's exosomes. Wow. So but Jim, before, what, what... we didn't know that before? Like you go back 20 years ago, what did we think that stuff was? Just excretion. Just, just stuff junk in the, the blood? Just junk in the blood. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now that we have, now that we are experts yes. on exosomes... Cause... Nothing else to talk about. We can pretty much stop. They're now. sort of I like think... little nanoparticles. <laughs> and thank you for tuning in today. <laughs> so we... Well, we, we talked before, you know, we talk about science fiction where you have like nanobots that you inject in your body yeah. and they go do stuff. It's kind of like what these things are. I mean, if you could program these exosomes mm -hmm. to go kill cancer cells. Yeah, that's exactly right. So a lot of people are looking at those activities. So like I said before, there's two basic uses of an exosome for the future, which is... Um, 
diagnostics. So you could look at the exosomes and look for tumors. You could look for cancer and uh, you would be able to do basically a universal diagnostic if you knew what you were looking for. The other and potentially more exciting part is the therapeutic aspects where these things can enter and exit the cells that make them. So you could think about a future where we could actually manufacture um, targeted drug delivery vehicles based on your own biology. So zero toxicity, no chance of rejection. It goes exactly where it needs to to deliver those payloads. You can attach molecules, drugs, things like this to the exosomes, and they cross all the body boundaries. So they cross the blood-brain barrier. They cross the digestive tissue. You can take them orally and send them to the brain. And this is where Clara comes in, right? Yeah. So the, the major challenge and why we exist as a company is that the industry being 10 years old, all of the techniques for getting exosomes out of a fluid are research-based, and they don't really scale to the needs of a clinic. Uh, both from a scalability standpoint and a quality standpoint. And so Clara has a platform that basically allows us to isolate any type of exosome from any biofluid into a pure solution at scale. Nobody else can do that. By the way, on my notes, it says, what is an exosome? And then it says, and why do we exist? Are those two separate questions? Because I feel like you might be able to explain to us why we do exist, Jim. You seem to have a pretty strong grasp on on the biological side of this stuff, but no, on, on the, on, you know, like why does the company exist? Yeah, I was, I was just, yeah, it was a very existential question. Now, Matt, you mentioned something earlier. You mentioned the term nanobots. Now, yeah. You know, nanotechnology is something that's coming our way. And, um, you know, it, 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 there's a, uh, do you know who, uh, um, Ray Kurzweil is? Of course. Okay. So you say, of course, most people don't, but he's a well-known inventor. I, became familiar with Kurzweil because he invented a line of digital pianos that was a competitor to the form, my former employer. I mean, thank you for Siri and Google voice and all that stuff for Ray Kurzweil. Did he invent that too? Yeah. He's the one who did the voice recognition. He did all the early work in voice recognition. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a genius inventor and now he works, you know, he's the one that I've quoted in the past of saying good inventors are working on what they're going to come out with 10 to 20 years in the future. And he talks about nanobots and nanobots are, you know, the, as in, in 15 years, we'll be able to put the computing power of an iPhone in something the size of a red blood cell. And talking about this this ability to deliver certain things or like these nanobots, like Matt had mentioned, could go in and maybe they're just going to sit there and work away at unplugging a, a clogged artery or something like that. Our exos- now, the way you explained exosomes, it sounds as if they could deliver the same kind of thing. Is that something that's also being worked on? Absolutely. So there's actually... Like, is that a better solution yeah. than something like a nanobot? Because I would think that the natural biologic solution mm-hmm. would be a, it'd be better because you said they don't run into barriers. It depends there. on what you want to do. And uh, I'm going to, the scientists in the room, close your ears. But basically, there's two types of exosomes. There's the naturally derived exosomes that our cells make that can be used for targeting information. There's another type of exosome that's made by stem cells. And uh, it's still the same exosome, but they have uh, a lot of therapeutic abilities. And so the, the, there's a lot of wound healing around stem cell exosomes. Mm-hmm. And 20 years ago, when stem cells were first discovered, they were like, oh, you know, stem cells are going to solve this, we're going to solve that. And we basically solved the body. With gene engineering and stem cells, we've got it all solved. And 20 years later today, there's not a single approved stem cell therapeutic. On yeah, the why is there so much controversy around stem cells? Well, I think the original controversy started with the embryonic stem cells. Yeah, it's because they were the. There's a huge population of them in the um, the 
what is that? is that the embryonic stem or whatever? Well, they were the, they whatever were. attaches your belly button as a baby. So they're kind of pulling some of that out and sometimes getting them from aborted. Well, children when the research like first started, yeah, it was kind of from fetuses. But at this stage, they've got a lot of different ways to get stem cells. So that's not really ethically a problem anymore. But um, and the stem cell is kind of like the wild card of the body; it can turn itself into exactly whatever right. it wants to. Is that that's so, true? So, right. so the horror stories is that when they first started doing this, like uh, they would put stem cells into a, a lady's, um, you know, skin, like under her eyelid to remove wrinkles, like to regenerate the skin, and it actually turned into bone. So every time she blinks, she hears scraping mm. <laughs> along her skull. So <laughs> that's a true story. It's a true story. Oh, and uh, people died in some early studies with this stuff. And so there's a lot of well, gene gene editing, but. I mean, people died in a lot of early studies for a lot of different things. I mean, how many people died on the way to discovering what a vaccination was? But but you think about you just got to control this this random sort of biology that can turn into anything, and it's very challenging. So Hmm. it's really had a lot of roadblocks. But stem cells create exosomes, and it ends up exosomes go to the places we want them to go a lot better, and they have really none of the downsides because they don't have that cellular machinery. So they actually integrate into the body a wound healing process so you've lots and lots of research you can look at but people are uh, healing your dermis so you get a bad burn a third degree burn you can actually regrow new fresh young skin um on a person today with exosomes now, now just to, to before we get too far and, and too deep into this to really be simplistic about what clara biotech does is yeah. you guys extract exosomes for people that want exosomes right that's right so, so you don't but, create any of the therapeutic solutions. Nope. We partner with people that want to develop therapeutic so, solutions. So if I'm a, bio, a, a different biotech company or whoever needs exosomes for whatever type of research or practical application, mm-hmm. contacting bio, Clara Biotech is, and once again, go to clarabio.tech. But if, I, if I, you're an exosome broker <laughs> of sorts. We're I mean, an enabler. We're a platform sure, technology a for shepherd, the industry. A shepherd of exosomes. Mm-hmm. You, fil- you filter you take a vial of blood and filter only down to the exosomes. Right. And then, and then that's where we're kind of different from the competition, which is most of the other techniques are based on filtration. So when you filter at a size range, you're letting a lot of stuff through that's more than exomes. You're getting the exomes, but you're also getting viruses, free-floating DNA, cell debris, and other things that come through. So when you're talking about developing a product that you want to put back into somebody's body, all of these contaminants are extremely troublesome mm. from a regulatory perspective. So how do you get only the exosomes? Uh, well, that's Magic. part of our intellectual property. Magic. But uh, basically, we have a filtering technique where we can capture based on those surface markers I was telling you about, and we can isolate based on those. Do you remember that day when you, you used came... nanobots to but, filter? By the out way, do you use microbots? <laughs> do, do you remember that day you came to record your podcast and you realized you weren't that smart? Yeah. And I'm having that today. If you want a 30 second breakdown, I can tell you exactly how it works. Yeah, do it. Let's I, do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm ready feeling... to get nerdy. Yeah. So we start with a bead that's about one to three micrometers in diameter. So that's about a thousand to three thousand nanometers. And to that bead, um, we we would do they call it conjugating, but really we just attach and glue what they call antibodies to this. We're conjugating, okay. We're conjugating right now. Keep it clean. And these antibodies are specifically selected to match those cell surface markers and those exosome surface markers. So when we mix them together, when an exosome comes in contact with this antibody that's glued to the bead, it gets glued to the antibody. So you do that enough, you mix them up, and you can capture um, the, 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 the exosomes from a fluid. What we then do is they have a magnetic core, so an iron core, so we can put, use a magnet to pull these beads out, wash everything else away, 
leaving just the beads, the antibodies, and the exosomes. Then what we have is a proprietary process that we've developed that can then detach that glue of the exosome from the antibody and collect that. That's for for those of you listening, this is the moment when I just want to say, what did you do at work today? Because <laughs> <laughs> I recorded a podcast. I'm going to like try to sell some people some software development services. I have a meeting this afternoon and I'm going to give a presentation <laughs> on how to self-publish a book. Man, like, but, and I mean that in the most complimentary way because I think it's awesome that people like, first off, I have no idea what you just said. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm not a scientist. Um, but man, the power of what people like you pioneer paths and try to figure out. You may I mean, explain like, it to you. No. Okay. <laughs> yes, Matt. Okay. Explain it to me. So please. you take the FedEx package, <laughs> you put some glue on it, uh-huh. and then you put a magnet on it. Okay. And you suck all of them out. And then you got to take the magnets and the glue off. Okay. And then you got the package to the left. Thank you. Yeah. Well, now it makes so much sense. Yeah. We should get Johnny to make a really in-depth explainer. Make an animation for us. Yeah, about how this works. I can see this like little exosome and he's wearing like a cape and he's kind of dressed. It says like CB on the front for Clara Biotech instead of Superman. And like he's just delivering FedEx packages. So obviously you guys have patented this. Yeah. So that's that's part of our business challenge right now is we have uh, intellectual property still being sort of reviewed before it publishes. So we're doing a lab service today where people mail us their foods and we do our sort of secret sauce behind a black box. Um, but once that publishes in the summer, our plan is to start selling kits so everybody can do it themselves. Now, so you can actually, so you guys won't have to, you just license the technology from then on out? We'll manufacture the kits that they can use to isolate everything themselves. Okay. Yeah. So Jim, let's, and once again, before we get too far down the timeline in this episode, like, I mean, you know, yeah, on Startup Hustle, we like to talk about the startup nature. This, yeah. this couldn't have been easy in the beginning. And what made you, I mean, well, how'd you get into what this? What are you talking about? This is like the easiest thing in the world, man. Totally. Totally. <laughs> so, um, you've never used glue sticks before, man? I'd sniff them. Yeah, you just use glue stick. They taste, put it on there, they whatever, taste take good. It off. No big deal. I usually eat glue. It's, it's a lot like software. When you mention you're in software, everybody wants to give you money. It's exosomes. Everybody wants to give. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, you're wrong about the money part, <laughs> by the way. I mean, some, yeah, some people. Yeah. So my story is uh, I spent about 10 years as a medical device consultant doing a lot of different types of work on medical products. So I got a couple of medical products to market, did some regulatory work, quality work, design work, and um, started two companies in the last 10 years. Um, so that's what I was doing. And then... Um, there's this organization called BioKansas, and a guy uh, who was the president at the time, his name was Dennis Rittenauer. Great guy. Now he's president at BioNexus here in town. But he, yeah, uh, I recognize the name. Right. So he um, introduced me to my co-founder, uh, Dr. May He at the University of Kansas. She had spent the last eight years developing this technology um, because she saw the problem and the opportunity, and she was smart enough to solve it. So she was ready to commercialize. We'd gotten a grant from the NIH to develop the company. And uh, she was looking for a business team to kind of come in and do some basic customer discovery, business validation process, and then kind of build the company from there. So I got introduced to her and then she said, hey, Jim, I'd really like you to come help me co-found this company. And I was like, I've already got a company. (laughs) And um, she was like, but I really think you'd be a good person to do this. And I was like, well, um, you guys don't have much money. And she's like, we got a grant, but, you know, you can fundraise and uh, we can get some more money coming in. And uh, anyway, uh, I ended up telling the story at the very beginning before we started recording. But the, the, the way it went was she asked me to join and I 
went and I talked to my wife and I said, Hey, uh, got this opportunity. Uh, I'm going to be taking a big pay cut. And everything a wife loves to hear. I don't know anything about this thing. Like I know as much about an X sum then as you guys do today, but I was like, she seems really smart and I think she knows what she's doing. And I'd like to see where it goes because here's what I asked myself. Um, in my life, I've only regretted things that I haven't done. I've True. never regretted something that I did. And I asked myself if I, if I turn this down now and this thing turns into a huge opportunity down the road and I wake up one morning and this is like a billion dollar industry and I walked away at this stage, would I ever be able to like wake up and not hate myself? And that was my very detailed financial analysis, risk analysis of my entrepreneurial decision. What were you doing before? So I was doing medical device consulting. Okay. Um, and I had another company developing, um, demonstrative evidence, uh, for medical malpractice okay. trials. Um, I made, I made physical 3d models from MRI and CT scans for lawyers. It was like the time you had me go through the drive through knee surgery. Yes. And they messed it up. <clears throat> yep. And then Jim helped me create a model around that. that and he showed, sued me. That showed that I shouldn't have chosen a drive through knee replacement. <laughs> um, well, first off, once again, I, I, man, you know, Jim, thanks, man. Like, thanks on behalf of, like, humanity for being one of the people that, like, does the stuff that takes a chance to see if we can make something better. <laughs> I mean, do you agree, man? Like, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I, mean, I mean, this is... This is a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, potentially you be, you have created the, hopefully what becomes the industry standard way mm -hmm. of doing this, right? And at, at this point, would anybody try and compete with you? I guess somebody eventually might, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to definitely have competitors in the market. I mean, there's already competitors in the market. It's a. But can they do it to the same way that you quality? At, at and this point, we don't think so. But, you know, these are a lot of smart, creative people out there all working on these problems. So, you know, right now we, it looks like we're doing pretty good, but. It's hard to say. We're we're building more than just a. I mean, we're planning for more than just a monopoly, though. I mean, there's a lot of do, future do you, stages to this. Do you have to take that invest inventor's mindset that I mentioned, where you're like thinking about what you want to do five and ten years from now? Now, mm -hmm. like that's your plan because oh, yeah. the technology doesn't exist now, or it's not affordable enough, or it's not accessible enough. But you know, it will be later. And mm -hmm. see, that's a weird. That's kind of a weird horizon for like what Matt and I would be used to with the industry yeah. players now. Now, most people don't have a startup and find an acquisition like three years later. I mean, most of these companies that get acquired for big money are seven, eight years old yeah. at that point. But it's hard to tell, to go and pitch someone to put money into something. You're like, yeah, and we. that's what baffles me with medicine is it's so long to get approved, to get mm -hmm. adopted. You've got this educational process to get people that would use it to even know it exists. And I mean, has that been a challenge to overcome some of that? Or Sure. So, so one of the, the regulatories really, I mean, you talk about the long horizons, it's those clinical studies and those regulatory processes that really slow things down and, you know, to some point rightfully so. Uh, but we really bypass a lot of that because, um, we're more of a tool in the production pipeline. So because we're not actually developing an end use diagnostic or therapeutic, we're developing a tool that can be used for the development of that. We really bypass a lot of the the, the hard regulatory. Burden. Sure. Cause so, it's meaning cause it's not a drug. It's not a drug. Right. It can be used for that. And it's up to our customers to validate for that in the regulated mm -hmm. pathway, but we just have to support them. Oh, that's smart. That's easier. To... But, but, but indirectly your process has to also be approved, right? Like, no. So, I mean, if what you did tainted what they did, then obviously your stuff isn't going to work. Right. But that responsibility is on them. Not no, it's, it's on us. Otis. It's just approves. Not the right word. Yeah. So it's, 
we have to develop under certain regulatory manufacturing guidelines. But it's just something we get audited to. It's not. I something mean, we have even to if you're permission. Even, my point is, even if you're not directly regulated, you end up being because if all of your clients fail yeah. because you aren't good at your job, yeah. then you're yeah. So we definitely anyways. have stuff we've got to do. But I just, from a business risk perspective, mm-hmm. it's just something we've got to do. It's not. So, a so what is the the future? I mean, what what else are you guys working on? Ways to filter other things, you know, and mm-hmm. and, and can you and make ma- what? and can you extend mountainized? lifetime to be maybe what i'm thinking 200 maybe 250 do i have to do the podcast for all those years so <laughs> the matt bot the map the matt's bot dude we're gonna have ai that's gonna yeah we don't even know the difference so yeah. what what is the future for the company then you got this working yeah what do you do next so over the next six months, we're scaling our lab service. We're working with a number of uh, fairly large pharma companies and some medium-sized companies and uh, kind of just getting them introduced to our technology. It's still really emerging from the clinical perspective. So we plan to ride that out for the next six months, and we're already doing some paid projects with some big companies. Uh, but really, the the big launch of the company is going to be end of this summer when we start selling the kits, the kits for people to buy and use themselves. And that really magnifies what we can do because we can just kind of mass produce the same thing that everybody can use. Yeah, that's great because then you have a very scalable business that mm-hmm. you're not doing all the labor and doing all the work. And um, Beyond that, we have a lot of plans, but I can't really talk about them on the podcast right now. Um, but I think that they're, the, the technology, for example, there's companies we talk to that are you know, very, very, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar companies. And we talk to them and they're like, so uh, can you do this? And I'm like, well, you know, because they're thinking of the filtration method. I'm like, well, what if you just got the human exosomes out of what you're doing? Would that be better? And they're like, oh, my God, you can do that. We didn't even know that was possible. To get the exo- exosomes out of the way. Yeah, to just get exosomes. Because they're like, well, we want to remove these contaminants. I'm like, well, what if you just pulled the stuff you want out? Like, you can do that. Um, by the way, I've done some science on my own while you guys were chatting. If we were to live 200 more years at the current rate of publication in 200 years, we will be on episode 41,600. <laughs> so can I, can I come back? Yes. We're going to probably need you to come back several times, actually, <laughs> largely to just keep pumping us up with exosomes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I, I, it's I good to see you fifty years. Jim, from I'll now. tell you, I'll tell you what, Jim. If your technology allows us to get to that episode count, we will have you as the special see, guest I, for episode forty thousand. I envision exosomes in like this big syringe with this bright green glowing liquid. It's a small syringe. Yeah, and then you, injecting ourselves with that green yeah. liquid. I, I you that's know, how I. What's the this. What's the Spider Man movie? Because that isn't that like what the, yeah. the guy that who's I don't know whoever Spider Man's foe is. Yeah. Willem Dafoe plays him. I see myself being like that. I'm like that would be the they're coming problem. to shut me down because I haven't filled out the proper paperwork yeah. for the testing standards. I'm like I'm going to show the world, and I jack myself <laughs> yeah. up with that glowing green liquid and you know i think that's my new pitch that's my new pitch green goblin yeah that's the dude yeah right yeah yeah you turn into the green goblin i always tell people get right to the benefit of your statement (laughs) so i think rather than talking about the other (laughs) stuff just say have you ever wanted to be a supervillain become the green goblin you can make us into supervillains do you want to fly what says i'm already not oh jeez yeah, we were ta- I was talking about that recently. Like, um, if what what superpower would you want to have? And the funny thing is, is you know, Iron Man and Batman have the superpower of being really, really rich. <laughs> and then the question is, is wouldn't you much, much, much rather have that than be Aquaman? Yeah. Would the software joke be like you keep putting people on .NET or something? The what? <laughs> I'm a villain. 
Jim, thank you for that. Thank you for that. I knew, yes. Oh, wow. You know what? Since we're already laughing, let's just play mixtape now. All right. All right. So mixtapethegame.com. Have you played? I've heard it. Can we can we just do Nine Inch Nails songs? Because that's where I'm strongest. By the way, this will probably apply. All right. <laughs> You're on a 14-hour road trip. There's no radio. There's no CD player. There's no nothing. And Well, actually, there's no radio. There's nothing else but a CD player stuck on repeat to the worst song ever. What song mm. is playing? Like <laughs> the I said. The worst song ever. Yeah. Oh my Can God. I answer Limp Biscuit? <laughs> no. Why is that? Because it's a band and not a song? Yeah, that's right. The worst um, song ever. Okay, if I had to, li- if I on repeat, I would have to say, "What does the fox say?" <laughs> like, if I had to listen to that on repeat for fourteen hours, like there's no amount of exosomes that could put mm. me back. Like that would literally just melt me. That's a good one. But by the way, around that fourteenth hour, we're talking about Spider-Man. Whoever that sand guy is, when he just like you know turns yeah. into a pile of sand i think that's what i would feel like what does the fox say i'm gonna go with the rick roll song <laughs> what is that that's james what's his name i don't remember never let you down yeah, give you up. everybody's been rickrolled right yeah, like the rick roll yeah, everybody has been yeah i mean maybe what does that really even mean is that not a sushi item the rick roll the rick roll song well what's that T- toto africa Okay, first, oh. <laughs> first off, it's funny you bring that up and Matt's laughing. So I have a weird agreement with a friend of mine, Jason Jones in Indianapolis. And whenever we're out in public and we hear Africa, we have to text the other person and let them. And by the way, we've had this going on for about 10 years. So, yeah, it's probably not the worst song. though. No. Um, and then my friend's band covers it every now and then. So sometimes when I go to see Humphreys McGee, they actually play that. And I'm like, wow. So there's so. two of you and one of me. So the, the, the first one that came to mind was actually Chumbawamba. Ooh. Top thumping. <laughs> oh, that was the first one that came to mind. So mine is Rick Astley. Never going to give you. Rick Astley. I, yeah. Is that the Rick roll? Never yeah, going to give Rick. you. Up. Yeah. That song. Can you sing it? No. Come on, man. I, mean, I do have red hair. You're all into and the I'm Philippines pasty, these no. days, and they love karaoke. Like, I've seen you. By the way, like, find Matt on social media. You can find some great karaoke footage. My girlfriend has, like, 10 videos of me singing karaoke that she I'm can gonna, use I'm gonna, over my head. I will. I, you know, I hang on. Let me make that. a note of that. I, mean, I, I live but, in Singapore for a while. I definitely know the karaoke oh, yeah. Yeah. game there. Yeah. By the way, I've offered part of of a, the new employee referral contest the the employee that gives the most referrals to hr gets to pick the song that i will sing on karaoke for oh. and at the company christmas party <laughs> <laughs> so Lip yeah biscuit yeah maybe biscuit. the whole catalog the whole catalog okay, okay so we have what does the fox say yeah um whatever any song by rick astley <laughs> And tub thumping by Ch- is that I get knocked down? Yeah, oh my it. god! Yeah, that's it. I'm going with Jim. No, I am go, too. Yeah, I'm going yeah, with that. Well, you got to win because I'm a guest. You got no, no, Matt. <laughs> well, first off, Matt hates it when I win. He's still mad. By the way, he finally beat me at Rochambeau. For those of you that are early listeners, Matt is no longer. He you, actually, you're still the Cleveland. I'm the Browns. reigning champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> I feel like that's the time Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson and then got knocked the fuck out like the next fight. But yeah. By the way, if you could help me figure out anyone listening, if you can figure out the mathematic probability of not winning rock, paper, scissors, 16 matches in a row. 
please share. Hold on, dude. You can because you. The problem is the problem with the math with the calculation there is you have to figure in ties because a tie is not a win. We definitely Uh, had tie. That's the problem because you can figure out the probability if it's a if it's a one. I don't know how you do the ties because that's about as far as I got with statistics and probability. Okay, so four thousand ninety six. Jim, congrats. Do you want to fire the money gun? I've never seen a money gun. Well, that's what we like to hear right before someone fires it. And, you know, I, I really want you to have a hang on. we got to get the video because. Uh, do you guys do you guys ever take this to like company strip club outings or something? <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a thing. Uh, Go ahead. Fire away, boss. All right. Woo! That is kind of fun, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Way to stretch $27 to the max. Woo. That was fun. You know, it's amazing how much joy a $20 money gun (laughs) has brought so many people. When I come back in 50 years, can you fill it with twos? I got a two dollar bills. There's a two. We'll right probably there, right have there. to there's fill it with. We'll pro- we got one. At the current rate of inflation, they'll probably have to be hundreds. That'll be like a thing. We won't have coins. Anymore. It'll be bitcoins. It'll how be about, so how are we going to fill this with <laughs> cryptocurrency? Um, so now, once again, Clara Biotech. Go check out clarabio.tech. So, Jim, you're not a doctor, right? I am not. Okay. So you sound like one. I bet people think you are a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, for real. Yeah. It's no, I get, like when, I get doctor added to my title quite a bit when I go to conferences and things like that. And I'm like, not a doctor. It's kind of like when people ask me where I went to college and I'm like, which one? Because I've quit <laughs> a bunch of them. Um, Hard knocks. Hey, whatever, man. You know, it's results oriented. Now, when when you does the, is that something that's been, as a startup founder and getting into this has that been problematic? Because I feel like that if any mm. if any field is judgmental, yeah, it might be the medical field. So, because our customers probably won't listen to this podcast, I'm guessing um, they I'm might. Sure. They yeah, might. they might. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, no, I really uh, I think it depends on the founder. And I think it can go either way. Like if you have a technical, a, a, a founder who's not really a technical in the space, you know, you've got a lot to learn and figure out. And for our case, I don't think it was too much of a hassle because the market doesn't exist today. So well, we're your co-founder is a doctor. My co-founder is super technical. Yeah. yeah so sure. she's, 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 she handles the technical part, but I'm the one interfacing with all the customers. So, um, I really, mean, I don't have a problem with you not being a doctor. You're very well versed. You understand. Yeah, no, no. It hasn't been a problem. Yeah. And most people, I, just, yeah. I can converse with them at their it's like level. Like full scale, you're not a software developer. No. Yeah. I, tell you write- people, I tell people I write checks, not code. <laughs> but, but you know what? That makes but sense. But you speak the language. Do, I do. I can have a very credible conversation with you about it. I can give you great advice. I'm yeah. very well versed with it. I'm just not a practicing, I just not a practitioner of that. Mm-hmm. No, and, and, and by the way, I never wanted to be. People ask me all the time, they're like, well, don't, haven't you ever wanted to be a software developer? No. I, no. It's really ne- never something I've even considered pursuing. A, I employ a lot of people mm-hmm. that are really good at it. And I know how freaking hard it is. And it's not for me. It's not, it's not something that, I would, you know, focus on what you're good at. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what makes Matt and I kind of like, like the a dynamic duo in a lot of ways, because, you know, he does, he does this, he's really good at the stuff that mm-hmm. I don't like doing yep. and kind of vice versa. Yep. Is that, and that, that makes a good founder co-founder you gotta relationship. Have that. You gotta yeah, have is that, that how, is that yeah, how absolutely. it is at Clara? So, so May handles all the technical stuff. Um, and she has the answer to everything. 
And then I just ask a bunch of questions. And but does she go to different like trade shows and events? And no, she's she's more focused on the research side. She goes to research conferences. She yeah. publishes papers. Yeah, she, okay, she good. Does yeah. Things like that. yeah, and that's what I was asking because you know, with with uh, any doctoral type activity, yeah. the the research journal publication is you know mm -hmm. that's like the that's your validation. It's almost as important as like in startups. A lot of people notch up those funding rounds, and yeah. they're like, yeah. hey, you know, we've raised blah blah blah. And so. Now, so we had she she was published in Nature back in February. So she had a paper in Nature come out, which is a big deal. And uh, they were detecting ovarian cancer through exosomal markers. And then another one of our founders, uh, part of the inventing team, he uh, he was part of that paper. But he's also got a new paper coming out in Science in the next few months. So all that stuff awesome. is great. Just Science. I mean, is that a publication? Yeah. It's just called Science. Science is like the biggest tech uh, research. I, I do have another question for you. So you said she works at KU. Mm -hmm. So as part of this technology somehow like was owned by KU or any yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, KU owns all of it right now. So they we do. have a we have a license agreement. Okay. For for the intellectual property. Can we use so when you guys become billionaires, can we use all that money to somehow uh fund the football team? No. Let's focus on basketball. Okay. Rock right, chalk. Right. I don't even care that our football team sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't. Uh they get but to that, use but that this money is for whatever a great... they want. But by the way, KU elected to build a new track stadium instead of a football stadium yeah. for a reason. Yeah. But I think it's I think it's cool that these sort of um education, you know, private industry, entrepreneurial mm -hmm. partnerships exist. We had another really good success like that in Kansas City from UMKC with uh, iVerify, which yep. is now called Zolos, and that mm -hmm. had to do with uh, the white of the eye and uh, facial eye recognition, facial recognition, right. biometrics. We need to get Remit and Dawson here to tell but us all about that. that we do. So but, Mr. Doss, come on down. But that's cool. I mean, these are two good examples where research – you know, in, um, you know, education has then, mm -hmm. you know, related to something in the real world that it's become a business. Very cool. Yep. So I have a question. Um, have you scientifically proven without any error that KU is in fact superior to K-State? Well, I, uh, I feel actually, like everyone already knows yeah, no. that, but can uh, we, do we have some medical backing? Yeah. So my, any, my any statistics for that is I have two degrees from KU. Yes. Uh, mechanical engineering undergrad and a master's in biomedical product development. <laughs> Um, and I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, I was the second graduate of the program. Yeah. I've dropped out of five colleges. Is but, that the same? Uh, but anyway, I think because I got two degrees from KU and none from K State, that's that's my answer. Yeah, I went to KU. It's one of my many stops. It's a good stop. Good <sighs> food. That deserves its episode. Matt goes to college. I've been to be Massachusetts Street. Does that count? Yes, Van yeah, Wilder. I feel to like Corsi. what Van Wilder to Corsi. Uh, yeah, kind no. Van Wilder was like on year eight and actually stayed <laughs> in. I went to KU. I was there with a bunch of my buddies. I was in the Segap house. I partied way too much. I got a really, really, really terrible GPA, and my dad was like, "You know what? I think you need to work for a little while and figure out, you know, like make your choices there." So yeah, that was my collegiate experience at KU. But yeah, I'm a huge fan. And and for those of you that aren't around, you know, KU, Kansas University, they have a, my sister went to KU Medical Center or KU yeah. Med and got, you know, that's where she she's an anesthesiologist. But there you go. Uh, and and by the way, I'm not I like to poke fun at K State, just interstate rivalry, but K State does a lot of great stuff too. They have some research and different agriculture stuff that they they really <laughs> kill it with. But most you know, we've talked about this on other episodes, but not everybody realizes that Kansas City and this whole area of the country is huge in agriculture and biomedicine. Yeah. And a lot of clinical trials work is done here and a lot of vet veterinarian science. 
companies like Monsanto, like all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. They're from uh, St. Louis, right? Yeah, St. Louis. There's a lot of stuff in this kind of area. So So you were asking me earlier about one of the challenges of doing like a biotech company here. And, you know, one of the challenges I faced early on is because we are, we see ourselves literally as a platform for the industry. A lot of people early on were like, so, so Jim, this X something, we don't really get it, but like, what's the first killer app? You know, what's the first software application that's going to make the processor worth it, you know, from a computer analogy. And I see us more like Intel as a platform. Like you need, you need us to make everything else work. You're selling the tool. Software, we're selling the tool. Yeah. And the so people my, who my, sell the tools make all the money. And so my way. answer was like, I don't really care. I don't care. I mean, I care, but it's like from a business standpoint, something's going to happen. It's like, I hope everybody cures every kind of cancer mm-hmm. and AIDS and plague. And I hope they cure all of it, but, but I don't care. I'm selling the tool. But for a lot of people, that's a very unsatisfying answer. Well, they sh- then they're not, then they're not real. They're not seasoned business people because you know we've matt you said in this single digit episode the people that that people that make the most money during a gold rush are the people that sell pickaxes yeah now look if you want to mine gold you need a pickaxe you need a shovel these tools have to exist and the tools that make everything else happen you mentioned like intel like that's chips right Mm -hmm. or whatever like i mean it is what it is but yeah these things have to exist so jim as we round out this episode we'd like to end Startup Hustle, which once again <clears throat> was brought to you by Fullscale.io. And you can also check out some of the, you can find us on Instagram at, at Startup Hustle Podcast. Check out Matt's other company, stackify.com. Go to gigabook.com. There's lots of good stuff out there. If you want to see how pretty we are, go to the Startup Hustle YouTube channel and you can see our talking heads. I think Jim just realized I just that realized, he's been on video. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, I'm yeah. so glad I didn't pick my nose during the middle well, of Well, you did. I, I have this clicker. Okay. I've been clicking 60 times. Um, <laughs> if you want to verify that number, yeah, once again, start a puzzle. YouTube channel. Um, so go to clarabio.tech. Check out what they're doing. Um, and, you know, it's important we support stuff like this. So we do the Founders Freestyle. Okay. So you, Mike, sure. Let it rip. What am I doing? You can do talk about whatever you want. You can talk about something that was unresolved. Talk about how much K State sucks. I mean, whatever whatever you want. It's freestyle, baby. I I wasn't prepared. That's the whole point. All right. Well, uh, let's see. I've been, this is my third company. So I think uh, one of the things that I'm kind of passionate about is founder fortitude and uh, how hard it is doing a startup. Even when kind of a lot of pieces line up, it's still really hard, which I think anybody who hasn't done it before is can't sympathize with how hard doing startups is. So I really have a lot of respect for all of us founders who have done and built things because it's the hardest thing you can do just about. Um, I am, uh, I guess while I'm just stuff's coming to mind, um, I have a theory that I've tested a lot and it tends to be right. So uh, one of the things I'm frustrated about America is our healthcare system. And I think that our healthcare impedes entrepreneurial endeavors because if your health insurance is tied to a company, you can't leave and start something. You especially have a pre-existing condition, which is less of a problem now than it used to be. But um, I, I believe that behind every, just about every successful entrepreneur is a stable spouse. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, there's a lot of unwritten the word rules. stable is key there, man. Or they're single. Yeah. Or single. True. But but, but both kind of yield the same result. Yeah. yeah. But I think if, if both of you are crazy in the head, it's going to be a challenging household. 
But um, anyway, I think that for America, at least, I think that that's really the only way it seems to work is if there's one person who has like kind of the benefits, the health insurance, everything else kind of covered for the family, and then one person can take the risk. So these are just things I would like to see improved as a region. And uh, I want to see more support for uh, early stage tech companies that have really innovative science. Um, the region can do a lot more to support SBIR grants, like what founded our company, but we were just lucky. We had a bunch of researchers putting it together without those resources are really hard to get, but they bring in hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars grant free grant equity, not equity, free grant money to companies and regions. And, uh, I I think we just need to come together and put a lot more support and effort into that because those are the things that really are going to generate companies like ours that are going to build the future for America. Speaking of crazy in the head, it's your turn. You know, I mentioned this earlier, and I just want to mention it again. I, I th- the pointing out the, um, you know, education um, institutions that do such amazing research for different things, um, and then being able to take that technology innovations and spin those out, and find amazing entrepreneurs and teams like yourself that can take those idea, uh, actually create a company out of it, and take it to market. Um, I think that's a, a huge way that we can continue to, to innovate um, in this world. So um, really glad to see you guys doing that. And I, I hope we can do more and more of that. I think it's a, it's a great way to, um, you know, solve real world problems, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we can have KU, you know, maybe it's a couple research students or whatever for years working on something, you know, as they're going through the, you know, their master's degrees or whatever it is, you know, and then eventually after many years, it's like, Hey, we actually have something here and let's spin this out and make it do something. So that's really cool. You know, I mentioned that the founders freestyle can also be about resolving things that were unchecked during the episode. Mm-hmm. You know, J- Jim, you were recently in the pure pitch rally yeah, and we gave you guys a $5,000 credit at full scale. And hopefully we can find something useful to do with that. Um, we'll have you program our exosomes for us. No problem. I've already got the algorithm, my machine learning algorithm. I think you got about 30 more dollars for the money gun too. Nice. But how are we going to fire the money gun next? Oh yeah. Never mind. You can't have By us. the way, if you put mixtape cards in the money gun also does a really <laughs> good job. Yeah. Maybe we'll demonstrate that, but you know, you talk about things like the pure pitch rally, which is a local pitch competition. We gave away what 60 grand. Yeah. Um, these things are really good for startup founders, like get out there. Um, and you know, like Jim, you talked in front of 200 of Kansas yep. city's business leaders and influencers, which is kind of, a, it doesn't seem like a big deal until you're up there talking about it, <laughs> talking to them, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think I spoke about mm-hmm. five minutes after you did. Mm-hmm. And, but the thing is, is all this, all this practice makes perfect yeah. and it also gets it out there. You have, you like, people aren't going to know what you're doing and what you need unless you put yourself on a podium and talk about it. And a lot of people just don't like doing that. Get over it or find a co-founder that's good at it. Yeah. So, and, and that, that, that kind of exposure and, and output mm-hmm. will like is what you need to get the input. So that's, I think, uh, another like sort of secret of entrepreneurship that nobody talks about, which is um, trying to sell stuff. No, well, well nah, but they're, they're, you know, dealing with the rejection. So mm-hmm. how many people are overnight successes? Everybody, you know, in two years, we're going to be an overnight success in Kansas City, right? We're just going to pop out and be like, oh, look at Clara. They, they yeah. popped out of nowhere and they're a huge success. Um, but 
what people don't see is like the, you know, the, the hundred things that I apply to the pitch competitions, the, mm-hmm. the, the business plan competitions, the, everything else that overnight we do. success is an oxymoron. It doesn't mean yeah, it's not true. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that what, what's not said enough is like, you know, you, you, you apply to a bunch of stuff and then the, the things that hit, that's what you talk about. And then yep. people from the outside see, Oh, well, look, they did that one thing and they did it and they got it and they were great. And I think you just, you know, the secret is you just gotta, you gotta do a whole lot. You gotta grind. Yeah. Sometimes entrepreneurship's like discharging a shotgun. You know, like you can spray a bunch of pellets everywhere and a lot of stuff's going to miss, but you only need a little bit of it to, yeah. to hit inside the target range. And that's where you continue chasing. And, um, but that's the thing. You got to pay attention to what sticks to rage, rest, repeat. I like some people, people keep shooting and they don't actually pay attention to what sticks. Yeah. Or they're they, because what actually stuck wasn't exactly what they thought would stick in the beginning they're or like, nothing. Well, maybe I'll keep trying the other stuff. Or they don't hit anything, but they just keep shooting. Well, with that, I'm going to go get some target practice in. Did we solve any problems with my ex and all of this? No, might need its own episode. Okay. All right. Sorry. Well, thanks for trying. Yeah. yeah. See y'all next time. Come back in 50 years. We'll see how it's going. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.